There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to this week's Business Elevation Show on Voice America. And it's brilliant to be talking with you again this week. And, and yet again, I think an, another fantastic uh, guest this week in Sarah Comolo. Uh, we're going to be talking about choosing to be extraordinary. And Sarah has got a an amazing story uh, to tell, an amazing series of stories. And I think that will inspire us in this world at the moment, which uh, seems to be uh, very, um, very uneven in terms of the experiences that it's giving us, shall we say. Um, but we all know um, there's a lot going on right now. And uh, it's really good to be reminded that actually uh, we all are extraordinary. We've got, we can all choose to be extraordinary and we can all choose to make a difference and help contribute to the solutions that are needed uh, in this world right now. Um, before we um, talk to Sarah and I, I introduce her, I'd like to say a, a big thank you to my guest last week, Tom Campbell. Uh, Tom is, well, I've had, uh, we've had many thousands of listeners uh, to this um, this interview and actually this was a part two last week because I interviewed Tom about a month ago as well if you didn't listen to that show Tom is a has a background as a, as a very serious um, physicist um, worked for NASA um, worked on high-tech US defense systems but in parallel with that he was studying the world of consciousness for 45 years doing doing lots and lots of research and uh, and his um, interview I think is interviews are absolutely profound and thought-provoking and have impacted me personally. If you're interested in that, there is a, a blog post on, the, on part one that I've put onto the website at chriscooper.co.uk, looking news, where I share on the first interview 15 things that we learned from talking with Tom Campbell. I know people have been enjoying kind of studying that and working with it, and we'll do the same with with part two as well. We talked last week about uh, you know, in we moved into business from you know the frame of what consciousness and reality was all about through to uh, understanding the big picture in, in, in business and understanding really understanding people and really being able to access intuition to do amazing things and uh, you know be able to transform uh, businesses and kind of lives through uh, some of these uh, principles which are you know, driven by his uh, scientific work. So do take a listen to that. So on to today's guest, um, Sarah is, is South African, uh, born in Zambia of Rwandan descent, and she's an award-winning mountaineer, a business executive. Uh, she's got experience leading South African blue chip companies, driving innovation and, uh, and, and change uh, in the financial and wellness industries globally. Uh, she's an advocate for human development and education. She supports a wide variety of charitable and developmental organizations. And through her mountaineering, she's raised an enormous amount of money, uh, over one and a half million rand so far, helping uh, lit the literacy and education in Africa. Uh, she founded by Saray, Sarah sorry, in 2013 and supported by Sarietta Schultz. Um, she's um, been uh, aiming to take Ubuntu, and we'll talk about what, what is that in a moment, to the top of the world through her Seven Summits Challenge, uh, making a difference in her community through education. Um, so let's, um, let's have a, a chat with Sarah today and talk about um, this sort of whole aspect of, 
of being extraordinary. And there's going to be some wonderful tales and stories as well. So a huge welcome, uh, Sarah. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for that introduction. And thank you for having me. You're very welcome indeed. Lovely to talk to you. And so, so you're I just heard you were telling me you're in Johannesburg, but you've had an enormous storm a few minutes ago. Yeah, we did. We, we actually, the past two days uh, haven't been really great. Uh, we were expecting a big storm, but it didn't take too long. I was uh, worried that uh, it would come through uh, this in, uh, interview, but um, it's passed now. And we're expecting more though, tomorrow based on the predictions. So is this rain a good thing or are you getting more than you expect at the moment? <laughs> it is a good thing. Um, it's a good thing. I think uh, at this point, any change from um, what we have is actually a good thing. It gives you a reason to actually stay in the house other than thinking I'm in the house because of COVID-19 and the lockdown, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's strange. I mean, and, and how, how is that impacting your, your life in, in Johannesburg? It's, it's, it's been interesting for, for me in terms of expeditions. I had to move uh, my North Pole expedition, which I was meant to do in April, and all the other expeditions that I had lined up for 2020. Um, but also from the work front, we're all working from home, which has been amazing. Um, I think that's for me, is positive. <laughs> I don't need to be mm -hmm. stuck in traffic to go to work. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of forced, at least me, to work differently with my teams remotely. Because when you're in the office, you can see when something is wrong, when somebody is stuck and you need to almost nudge them in one way or another. Now people can hide themselves behind their screens and you don't know what's going on. So I'm having to actually learn how to still keep in touch with everything that's going on around the business. So that's, that's interesting. I think uh, on the negative side is that, you know, I've had a few people that I personally know that have been affected by, by the pandemic, which, um, which is sad. And I'm hoping that we can soon know how to deal with it. Yeah. 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 It's a very, very strange time, isn't it? It is. It's very strange. And, and so the, so the organization you mentioned, your, your business, what, what, what does that do? Um, I work for Momentum Multiplier is uh, a wellness um, and rewards program, um, which is a part of uh, an insurance group. So we look at um, people that we insure, like if you take health insurance, we make sure that you, you are rewarded in terms of being physically fit, because the fitter you are, uh, the less, uh, if you don't smoke as an example, uh, the healthier you are, the less you visit the doctor, the more we kind of save and we're able to reward you effectively. It's really using behavioral economics to nudge people into good behaviors that affect them positively. They're able to live longer uh, and it's profitable for the business uh, effectively. It affects the mortality rate. So that's the, my work um, yeah, in the insurance and wellness uh, space. So it's a, it's a real win-win. It, uh, it keeps people keeps people healthy and living longer, and it also uh, keeps uh, keeps insurance claims to a, a sensible level. We all, all win. Absolutely, it's a win-win <laughs> for everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> so t tell us a, a little bit about you know your your sort of childhood growing up in yeah. And so did you uh, were you were you uh, brought up in South Africa? You said you were born in Zambia. No. How long did you spend there? What, what was your what was your <laughs> yeah. childhood like and 
So I was born in Zambia, born to a single mother. I'm one of seven girls. So we, wow. <laughs> yeah, we were all um, girls and um, I was uh, raised by my grandparents who, who were missionaries in Zaire, DRC at the time it was called. So spent my primary school in that environment. Um, that's why my name has actually a Y. It used to be S-A-R-A-H. Um, and in Zaire, Mobutu Sesseko did not want African children to have European names. So my grandfather just removed the Y and said, it's Sarah, it's African. You know, <laughs> that's where that comes from. <laughs> and uh, I really, you know, I was raised uh, um, in an environment that um, was very patriarchal. So my mother was really pitied for not having a boy, <laughs> you know, and I think that's the reason she kept trying and trying and got seven and she decided um, maybe she should stop, yes. you know, but, but one of the things that she still believes in until today is she pushed all of us to say the sky was the limit and we could be anything that we wanted to and nobody should tell us otherwise, you know. Um, so a myth that I, I actually I should say uh, I found, um, you know, I found that she was wrong when I got on top of Everest because I realized that the sky was beneath me. You know, we can actually aim higher, um, you know, and not just aim for what we can see. We can see the sky and we keep saying the sky is the limit. I think we need to uh, push the next generation to aim much higher. And I'm passionate about doing that for African children because, you know, the world continuously, which COVID has proved continuously, is becoming a global village. How am I going to make sure that my great-grandkids are not second-class citizens in this global yeah. village? You know, they need to just him higher. Yeah. And I'm trying to imagine what the, you know, the setting you lived in. Did you live somewhere rurally? Were you in a city? Um, uh, traffic? Yes, with, with, with my grandfather, we, we lived normally in uh, missionary compounds. Um, uh, my mother lived in a township. Um, I don't know what the equivalent is, like in the ghetto or something. Yeah. Um, not, uh, and um, yeah, that's where I grew up. Um, and people normally ask me to say, did you always want to climb mountains? There was nothing like that. I was part of uh, um, Pathfinders. It's like the scouts, but for a church. And we did a lot of camping, um, and uh, and that's really where my you know my love for the outdoors came from. Mm. And, and and our attitudes changing. I spent a few years ago. I spent uh, a bit of time in Kenya and spent some time with the Maasai tribe, which was a wonderful experience. Mm. And I I went into the into a, a fantastic school that they'd managed to uh, to fund uh, to enable children to have an education and. One of the things that really struck me was that the, the emblem for the school and, and on it, it said, uh, don't uh, sell girls for cows, give them an education. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, whoa, you know, just, um, yeah, yeah, just kind of really put it into perspective. Yeah. And, and, and so have, have those attitudes, are those attitudes shifting? Absolutely. It is shifting with my generation, with modern times, because there's now a lot of representation. I think for me, that was one of the driving forces, especially because I was told that I, I couldn't climb Everest because nobody like me had done it, you know, um, and, and told to my face. And, and like, it just pushed me to say, you know, I needed to actually do it so that the next girl is not judged because 
if she doesn't have enough testosterone or she's not the right color or nobody like her has done it. But by her capability and her determination to actually do whatever it is that she, she would like. Um, it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, yes, um, those perceptions or the, uh, the view that girls can only do certain things. Yes, uh, you know, they, they are good for getting married and I'll, I'll get something out of it. It's, it's all gone, but there's still a lot of ceilings and there's still a lot of perceptions about jobs that girls can do and girls can't do. Um, and sometimes we as, as, as girls, as women, um, also don't dare to step into those zones because we believe that we can't. You know, subconsciously you start thinking that maybe they are right, maybe it's not for me. Uh, and, and that is something that I actually fight against because what is for me is what I would like to do but, and not what society dictates. And, and I wasn't always like this though, Chris, because at some point I also felt like, okay, marriage, kids, work, home, church, and repeat, you know? And, 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 and I just realized that um, I lost my, my older sister in 2009. And I started questioning something that my grandfather always used to tell us to say, if you do not live a life of service, that is a life wasted. And, and I wondered whether, you know, being in the office mm. and winning those boardroom, uh, you know, conversations or arguments was it. That was, was that my life of service? And, and I just figured it wasn't. And I quit my job and I just tried, started trying to find really my why, for the lack of a better word. And, and, and I went and summited Kilimanjaro and raised money for a home. And, and the home, we, we built them an outdoor gym and a library. And one of the kids in the home came to me and said, do you really come from the township? So initially, I thought it was a joke because, I mean, if you've been to South Africa, we all, there's a joke to say black people can't swim, kind of. And I thought that's what she meant. And she was serious because she just didn't believe somebody that looked like her could go and climb a mountain and actually do something this big. Yeah. And it, it just made me realize that maybe I wasn't doing enough to show my kids, I've got two boys, that help comes from within before it comes from elsewhere. And that's when I made a conscious decision that I'm going to summit the seven highest peaks on the seven continents around the world and use it to raise money for education. Um, because, you know, really, um, it didn't matter where I come from, what my circumstances were, I could do anything. And, and that I was hoping would show that, um, that girl and show my kids that, you know, they can be anything that they would like, irrespective of where they are or what the world expects from them um and yeah good stuff we've got three minutes just to, to a commercial break now i wonder in the, in the intro uh you said you wanted to take ubuntu to the top of the world what is that yeah ubuntu? <laughs> so when, when i made a decision to actually do the seven summits i started reading up on everest and and looking at um you know, uh, documentaries and movies. And I picked up a lot of people saying, oh, they leave other people there for dead. And, and it's, it's almost like it's a, a, a selfish kind of environment. It's me, summit and back, and I don't care about other people. So Ubuntu is really about humanness. I am because we are, you know, it's, it's, it's an African concept of us, um, you know, believing that as a collective, as a community, 
um, we can achieve more. You know, alone you can go fast, but uh, with others you go uh, you go far. I'm sure you know that quote. And and I decided that I actually was going to climb and summit these mountains and raise money for education because I want to have an impact on the next generation through education. So, but I wasn't going to do that. Um, selfishly, I was going to take the African child to the top of the world. So that's why it was about Ubuntu. It was about me going up there not, and acknowledging that I'm not going to be able to do it alone. I'm going to do it with other people, whether it's shapers or other people along the way, and take the community with me. Excellent. Well, we, we were introduced by a, a, a good mutual friend in Cathy O'Dowd. And Cathy's from South Africa and was the first... Uh, the first woman to climb Everest from both the north and south face. Sis, mm-hmm. um, as uh, did you know, did Kathy see somebody who inspired you in in this quest for the seven summits? Absolutely, uh, she did. Um, it's her, and there, there's another lady called Mandy, who's the first South African to do the seven summits. Um, I think it's people that just stepped out of their comfort zone and uh, didn't do the norm. She definitely did. So we're, we're going to get to commercial break now. And thank you to Kathy, by the way. Um, yeah. Kathy's really, really inspiring. And you can find out more from Kathy and at kathyodow.com, I would suspect. Uh, and uh, there's also an interview with Kathy in the guest list. But after the break, we'll start to move into looking at this concept of extraordinary. And and through, uh, through Sarah's adventures, uh, some of the aspects of being extraordinary that we might want to want to consider and uh, how we might want to be extraordinary in certain situations and just to just to explain that and articulate it and and understand it in a way that we can then take it away and uh, work with it ourselves we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes do come back after the break when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper i'm with sarah uh, come and we're talking about choosing to be extraordinary and before the break we found out 
at some of the background of, uh, of Sarah and being, uh, uh, you know, brought up with with uh, seven seven of them, seven sisters, and uh, mum living in a township and a, a grandfather um, taking them and uh, living in various different uh, different places. And and I'm still what I still haven't quite got to Sarah. You mentioned you mentioned about your sister. Yeah. Uh, is you know really what? What was this seed that really did push you over the over the edge to go from you know this background which sounds quite you know quite quite tough but also maybe mm. at times you know inspiring but to yeah. actually decide I can be the first you know woman of color African yeah. woman of color to climb Mount Everest which you know I'm talking to Kathy a couple of weeks ago she was describing it to me as being a a wealthy middle-aged white man's uh, bucket list item now um <laughs> what 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 was it that sh- the seed the or, or situation that just tipped you over the edge to yeah push yourself into these adventurous uh yeah. um I, I think it it wasn't about Everest itself in fact when i started on the journey when i made that conscious decision that i wanted to do the seven summits i didn't actually know that no black african woman had uh, summited everest and a friend of mine had to convince me and we googled and figured he was actually right and and i think maybe that um thing in me that says why not then I must do this. That pushed me a lot more. That's probably one of the, <laughs> the reasons I went back. I'm not sure if you're aware that I didn't summit on the first go. I attempted four times before mm. um, I summited. Um, it, it, the, the reason uh, for Everest was really about this journey to raise funds and make a difference and, and just be me and do what um, satisfies me and not what is expected of me necessarily you know I think I was just tired of the norm I was doing well with the norm but uh, I was doing it for others more than it was for me um, and I just love the roads less, less traveled and and, mm. and and the lessons I mean Chris when you're up there or you're in these places that are so remote you can't help but appreciate nature because you know we always it, it makes you realize how small we are a speck in the bigger thing a scheme of things uh, and and what a humbling experience it is yeah it must be very humbling to be you know the person who's at the highest point in the world you know, <laughs> the, the higher than anybody else yeah absolutely and 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 more so to realize that um you know it's not something that at some point, even I expected to, to be able to do that. It's not something that the world would have expected me to do. And, and more so to see that it will inspire a child that is from a background like mine that's sitting out there to say they must keep moving irrespective of what the environment tells them, uh, you know, they're they are destined to do. Um, they're destined for the greatness, and greatness is what they decide to to do with their lives, and how determined they are um, to go for whatever objective um, that is. And how would you how would you define being extraordinary? And and is it is it a, simply a yeah. choice? I believe that we are all uniquely extraordinary. When when I started this journey, my website actually said, I don't know if it still says that, um, I'm just an ordinary African woman trying to reach extraordinary heights. And, and through this journey, I've just discovered that, no, I am extraordinary. And we all are indeed extraordinary. And being ordinary is a choice. You know, we choose to be wives, mothers, go to work, 
go to church and come back and do exactly what we saw our parents do, what we saw our neighbors do, and that's what the world expects of us. That is a choice. Um, But if we sit down and look at why am I here, we will discover that, you know, we are actually extraordinary and only we can fulfill that purpose. Um, and, 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 And I've gone back to look at, if you think about Nelson Mandela and how amazing he is, the whole world is talking about him, but the village he comes from, he wasn't the only boy. There were other boys there that grew up with him, but we'll never know their names. So what made him step out? It's, it's following your own dream, your own path, and not what is expected or you think is expected of you. And, and being afraid to just step outside of the comfort zone, um, that's choosing to be ordinary. And I just believe that we don't have to need to search within and, and go for it. Yeah, I, I visited his cell on Robin Island and, yeah. you know, he, he was still able to be extraordinary, you know, incarcerated for, was it 22 years, something like that? Absolutely, uh, you know, 27 little, years. 27 years from that little yeah. cell. Uh, and have you, have you visited Robin Island? I have indeed, I have, um, yeah. And that, that's a sort of white chalky area where they used to break up rocks, which damaged people's eyes. And yeah. uh, just um, incredible that you, that sort of probably demonstrates you can be extraordinary anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think before I, uh, I summited Everest, everybody that I met that had done it, um, they all talked about it as if it's for, for the few, the extraordinary few. Um, but I'm here to say, no, if, if this is what you want, work for it. I mean, I know Everest is not for everybody, but everybody has got their own Everest out there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and just don't believe that this is not for you. That is giving up. Keep going. Work at it. Work hard. Get determined. Ask people. And sometimes, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me, I, I'm now doing coaching, is to actually focus on the strengths. What are the things that I'm great at that I do with very little effort to get optimal results? And where do I need partnerships? I think being vulnerable enough to say I'm not great at that and I'm going to use a Sherpa because I need a Sherpa to guide me. And I need them to guide me up to every space camp. I need another one to guide me to the top because base camp is not my destination. And that we can use in everything that we do. And I think that's, you mentioned the Sherpas. and. I've, I've not climbed a Mount Everest, but I have, I've, walked the, I've walked the Inca Trail and I've been, I've been to Bolivia's highest mountain top and experienced that pain of uh, putting a step forward uh, and uh, struggling to breathe. It was only 5,400 metres, not 8,000 something. Um, mm. But I, I was um, you know, amazed by the Sherpas actually and, and realising mm. you know, that they were extraordinary in their, their, their abilities and abilities to carry huge packs in in, in Peru, they're in, in flip flops and bare feet, and and I've also was hugely inspired by the Maasai in Kenya and Maasai by the slum dwellers that I met in Kibera in in Nairobi, and you know I think what I've I've kind of realised from my travels is that you know the human race com, com, just underestimates and and has false beliefs about uh, about humans and human nature and their ability yeah. to be extraordinary in in you know, in situations where maybe wealth is absent. Absolutely. Yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on. And, and, you know, the the, the shepherds many times are really the unsung heroes 
you know, a, a lot of us go out there, we take pictures and, and that's all you see me up there. But the reality is I wasn't able to go up there on my own many times. Um, and and, I, and I, I think we as humans, irrespective of who we are, where we come from, our background, uh, many times we have limiting beliefs in terms of what we can achieve. You know, I think that takes me back to being extraordinary. If you truly believe that you and know that you are extraordinary, every step that you make will be deliberate and will actually um, point to the extraordinary that you are. You know, isn't it sad if, you know, your life ends and you haven't been able to actually showcase or test your extraordinariness? That's a loss to the world. It also, I I completely agree. And and looking for that extraordinariness in in every individual to to think about themselves. Um, however, yeah. what also this is this is this highlights to me is the, yeah. the the sheer ignorance and ego and inability of some people who think they're intelligent to be mm. able to respect and appreciate and realize that uh, everybody has the potential to be extraordinary and you can learn from yeah. everybody and we're Absolutely. all equal. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's actually interesting. As you were talking, I was actually thinking about some, um, well, maybe I'll call them Leonard. You find some CEOs that are on Everest and uh, trying to be bosses to Sherpas in the ice hole. Yeah. You know, it's like there's time to actually let, let other people lead because it's they may not have the degrees or the masters that you have or not leading big companies, but there, they are your boss and decisions that you make may cost their life and yours. Um, so I think everybody, it doesn't matter who they are, their education level, where they come from, they can definitely um, be a leader and they are extraordinary. We just need to to search. I think this is also something that will help us with diversity and accepting each other, realizing that everybody has got something to, to bring to the table and that um, is, is a diverse people. We are stronger together. If you look at how we're fighting COVID, it's, it's colorblind, right? It's gender blind, you know, and, and, and we can only fight it as a collective because um, transmission is just going from one, it doesn't care who you are, where you come from, what you look like. And, and as, as a unity, we'll be able to, to do a lot more to get to the solution. Yeah, yeah. I, what's, what's coming to my mind as I was read the book of, I won't mention his name, but uh, he's a former, former SAS uh, officer, I, I think, uh, who who climbed it, climbed Everest and has, has been on, on the TV, et cetera. And I was really looking forward to reading his book, but I, I was so disappointed in the attitude that I'm going to do it my way. My way is better than everybody else. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to follow the pack. Um, they're going to follow what I want to do because I'm the leader. Mm-hmm. And actually I, I, his, he went down in my estimation enormously, enormously after reading that book. And yeah. I won't be going to see him speak and things like that, I don't think, because uh, I don't share those values. Mm. Um, it's, I, it's actually sad, but you'll find those on the mountain. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, carry on. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. You'll find those um, types on the mountain, and, and, and more times than not, they, they're dangerous, they're a dangerous branch, because um, this is where it's almost trying to um, to run other people's races. You know, I, I, the three times I was on Everest, I went into these what you call international teams. 
So it's big teams with lots of egos, people that trained differently. Everybody thinks, um, you know, they know better than everybody else. Um, everybody's got a plan. This is what we've got to do, but we need to be a team. So if you don't gel and actually have a single plan and, and appreciate everybody's contribution to the team, it, it's, it becomes disastrous. And what happened in 2019, we had a common goal. We were going to summit and we had a plan and we all agreed on the plan. And, um, and really, it, it was such a pleasant expedition from day one. We did lose one team member, which was unfortunate, but the whole expedition was coordinated no egos. Uh, it was about us, um, you know, getting to the to the top as a collective, you know. And and there is something to be said about that. Even bringing some of those lessons into businesses um, when we're down here. I, I think I, I just wanted this as a as a way to think about this extraordinariness that um, yeah. might just be helpful to share. If you're sitting here at the moment listening to this and you're thinking, well, you know, Sarah's amazing. She's achieved something really, really extraordinary. You know, what about me? Well, there's just the fact that you're, you're composed of 30 trillion cells that communicate with each other. Mm. Um, <laughs> and you're, you're at the moment on a world that's spinning at a thousand miles an hour around its axes, part of a, an enormous kind of universe. And you have this ability to think and feel emotions and you are extraordinary, just the fact that you're actually here at this point yeah. in time. So you might as well uh, make the most of it. And, and you've probably Absolutely. got no, you know, no less cells than Sarah's got or, or no. I've got. Or, <laughs> but, what, but what you can do, and I think what you're um, saying, Sarah, is when you, when you come together with other people, you've got 30 mm. trillion cells times, you know, times whatever, uh, yeah. which, which gives us even more. Absolutely. And, and, and when you come together with other people, you, are, you need to dig uh, deep into your strengths because that's what's needed on the table. And, and many times I've found even in, in boardrooms where people, there's one that's leading the pack and everyone wants to be like them. But it's, it's, there's a saying that says, I think, um, if you are the cleverest and you have all the answers in the room, find another room, you know. And, and, and I think that diversity of thoughts, of ideas, of thinking in a room is actually needed for us to achieve a lot more. So um, as individuals, we need to realize that we are unique. We are born unique. We have unique environments that molds us differently. And when we're there, we shouldn't be afraid to be us, to be authentic um, at the table because that's what's needed um, at any time. And not not dominate, realize that you Actually, if you're the one making all the decisions, you're the one doing all the talking. There's, there's only you, you, you who are uh, coming up with the solutions. You're, you're missing the opportunity of, yeah. of all of those other brains and people around that table. Is, Absolutely. Is this, is this about um, you know? What I, I, is this about the need? I'm thinking about in your story as well for people to yeah. realise that actually some of their belief systems are completely inappropriate for success and and providing solutions in this new world that actually we have beliefs that are around maybe around our religion, our culture, uh, the workplace, uh, being a, being a woman, being a, a person of color. And actually we've got to eradicate some of those beliefs such that we can, you know, reach our potential and, and be extraordinary. 
Um, absolutely. And, and if you think about how um, sometimes we watch all these movies, so one of the stories that I probably haven't told you is growing up, I used to absolutely love superheroes, you know, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, She-Ra, I don't know if you mm-hmm. remember that. And, mm-hmm. and I looked at them, they didn't look like me. So they didn't talk like me. They were capes and they were flying. Nobody around me looked like, like, like them. Um, and it, it's just looking at that and say, I can never be a superhero. I think it's just realizing that I can actually, because if you look at Nelson Mandela, he's a superhero, you know, and and all those people that actually look like me that have stepped out of the comfort zone. So like I said, Everest is not for everybody, but you've got an Everest that you're sitting on. What are you doing with that? I think doing you and remaining authentic is what the world actually needs from you. That's a great, great way to end, end this section. And after the break, I'd like to sort of chat about, you know, what, how about your experience of being extraordinary when all hell breaks loose? Because you've um, <laughs> you, you took you four attempts to get onto onto Everest, and and yeah. in life we face all sorts of obstacles. Uh, for yeah. you, it's probably opening crevasses and things like that. Um, but we we face obstacles, and uh, just be interested to know, you know, you know what you learn to uh, in those sorts of situations. And um, hey, uh, we'll love to be finding out what it would felt like standing on top of Everest as well. We'll be back again with you all in just a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, Chris Cooper. I'm with Sarah. Come alone. We're talking about about choosing to be extraordinary and being extraordinary. Sarah, when it comes to situations where I describe it as all hell breaking loose, yeah. what are your thoughts and experiences then about uh, you know extra- being extraordinary and behaviours in those kinds of situations? Because you've yeah. experienced one or two of those in your climbing career. Absolutely. I've experienced quite a number of those, uh, starting with 2014 when uh, the 16 shepherds died on the mountain. Um, 
that if there was ever a time that I, I, I could have given up on climbing, I think that was it because coming to Everest with all these romantic ideas about climbing and getting to the top of the world. And, and, and even though I had read about people dying on Everest, but actually seeing dead bodies being picked from the Kumbwais for and being uh, flown onto Everest base camp uh, shook me because I saw people that had a lot more experience than me um, running away from Everest base camp. And it was time to make your own decision why you're there. And, um, and, and whether you still wanted to climb, whether this is the right thing for you. Um, I, what I've learned over time, uh, first of all, is uh, failing forward, is trying to learn from the experience. Why has it happened? And, and what do I need to learn from this? And making a decision on how to move forward. You know, and it's, it's accepting the things that I can't necessarily change. Um, I think 2014, taught me the fact that, first of all, it was their time, the guys that um, passed on during that time, they were a lot more experienced, but they had probably fulfilled their purpose. I became more obsessed about fulfilling my purpose. And I, and I came home, I remember writing two pages of the things that I had learned from that experience. I noticed that I didn't do a lot of cardio. People that were running and, and cycling were a lot more stronger, I learned from that. And, and I, I just really call it falling uh, forward you know, failing forward, I beg your pardon. And, and I think I did that even in 2015 with the earthquake, you know. It's just realizing what can I change and what can I not change? But I'm still here and I can still climb. What more can I, can I achieve from this? Um, it's, it's the one point, though, I must admit in 2017 when I was uh, left for dead, unconscious in the death zone, um, I wondered... I, I really internally, I had given up. I wondered whether all those people that said I couldn't do it, you know, um, were right. I think it's the lowest point where you start thinking that the naysayers are right internally. Um, and, and that happens. I think the, 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 the good thing is to having, you know, tools in your toolkit, if I may call it that, that will help you get up, still believe in your extraordinariness, and try again. And for me, it's trying to see what are the positives. And more times than not, Chris, I have two pages of the positives and half or one page of things that didn't go right. And I learned from them and I keep going. And I think even this time with COVID, that's really what it's about. So I'm locked in the house. Um, what do I do? I've started doing my speaking engagement, coaching my clients, um, you know, using Zoom, Microsoft Teams, something that I was unthinkable in January, you know, and the business keeps moving. So um, I think that's what it's about. It's really about resilience and, and, and about accepting the status quo. The faster you do, give yourself time to mourn, you know, mm -hmm. what you've lost and whatever. That's important. That phase is important, but don't stay in there for a long time because you don't belong there. You belong on the summit. Get up, keep stepping and keep moving forward. So you said you were left for dead unconscious in the death zone. I hadn't realized that. Yeah. Uh, just uh -oh. just tell, tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So that is 2017. We went all the way up to the South Summit, which is 99 meters from the top. Um, when we got up there, my shipper changed my oxygen tank. The first time I realized that actually my whole team had gone back. We were, we were alone. So I said to him, his name is Nawang. Uh, Nawang, where is everybody else? And he says, no, two weeks, gone back. And I just thought, oh, this is cool. I must be doing well. He changes my oxygen tank. I drink uh, a little bit of water. 
we start moving and I realized he's struggling as much as I am because it was quite windy. So I said to him, no, I think we should go back down because I had additional oxygen and come back when it's less windy. He says, yes, we start going back down. But what we didn't realize is my, uh, the supply of oxygen from my tank um, to, to my nose and mouth wasn't actually working properly. So I was inhaling and exhaling the same air for like over five hours. Mm. And I kept saying to him, but why am I feeling weak? He also didn't know what was going on because the, the meter that you have on your oxygen tank seemed to be working, didn't seem faulty. Um, and I just lost consciousness very close to camp four, but within the death zone that's between camp four and the summit. But he wasn't doing well because it was windy. So he left me there um, and he went and got other shepherds. They came, picked me up. When we got to camp four, um, this is now hearsay because I was unconscious. We found that the winds were so bad. They had blown off our tent. So my sleeping bag, everything, you know, was gone. Um, he took a makeshift tent, changed my oxygen tank and put me there until the next day. This is almost 30 hours later. Um, there was shit. six shepherds came to really pick up a dead body because when they touched me and I woke up and I, I said to the guy, um, Lakpai, and he says, oh, you're alive. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm alive, but I'm hungry. I hadn't eaten for, <laughs> you know. So he says he had no food, but he had a flask of water and gave me that. Um, that, that was, yeah, I remember looking at Everest because it's just beautiful and in your face, so close and yet so far. And... Um, and just wondering whether those people that had said I couldn't make it were right. Um, oh, so yeah. Oh my word! So you, I'm kind of intrigued. You know, you, 2014, 16 Sherpas die. 2015, you happen to go up when there's, there's the earthquake. <laughs> 2017, you find yourself left for dead. I'm kind of intrigued. Just firstly, you know, why you did it uh, went up a fourth time, and uh, secondly, <laughs> how on earth you managed to find anyone who would go with you. <laughs> That's a good point. That's really a good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, you know, I think going back in 2017 uh, was 2018, 2019, I beg your pardon. 2018, I was at home and my son came to me and said, Mom, when are you going back to Everest? I probably looked bored. <laughs> and, 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 and that for me is interesting because he didn't say, are you going back? He said, when are you going back? And it's something that I do with him. He plays soccer. When they lose, he comes here complaining. I'm like, figure out why you lost. You know, go back and do it better. And for yeah. him, in his mind, there is no way I could have given up. So when am I going back? And I, and I think that kind of pushed me to, to just say, you know, drink your own medicine, Sarah. Keep going. And, uh, you know, and, and I found myself back on Everest, but I did things completely differently. I went with a smaller team. I went with somebody that was just not a shaper, but was also a trained guide. I went in a smaller group. When we said we are going for this weather window, I asked why, what's the speed of the wind? But I guess it also came with experience. You know, I did a whole lot of things differently. I, did, I wasn't anxious about the summit. I was just worried about getting to camp one, camp two. And I also was running my own race. I mean, the guys that went with me trained together. They were Irish. They trained together for years. So I wasn't going to speed up and run after them. I was just going my own race, really, um, throughout. And, and it was such a pleasant, um, you know, experience. One interesting thing, I didn't do Facebooking as much as I did previously because this was really personal. It was unfinished business. And uh, what a humbling, humbling experience it was. 
Wonderful. And I, I want to just move on now for a few minutes left until the end of the interview. But uh, you've been doing a lot of work with education and yeah. and uh, Mandela libraries and yeah. various things. Tell us about that and uh, you know, yeah. so anything you want, want us to know about right now, you know, about uh, about that and the work yeah. you do as well. Absolutely. So through these climbs, since I started climbing in 2012, um, I've built five libraries, five Mandela libraries. Um, and uh, for me, some summits happen on the mountain and others happen when you actually deliver these libraries to kids that, um, you know, uh, need them the most because you're not only teaching them to fish, you're giving them, uh, giving them fish, you're teaching them how to fish as well. Um, but what I'm doing now uh, on the 25th of October this month, uh, we are doing doing a cyclothon, spinning for eight hours and raising money to build nine digital libraries. Um, and, and this is what lockdown does to you. The mountain is, is far from us. We can't travel, so we're bringing the mountain over. Um, I'm just blessed to be able to give back in terms of education because I believe that education is the equalizer. Um, it's the one thing that will ensure that the next generation of Africans are able to play at the same playing field as everybody else out there. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So, so when, what I'm, I, I, you obviously work for an organization at the moment, which is about kind of well-being. but you, you're a yeah. speaker as well, aren't you? Absolutely. Um, I am. I, I am a speaker. I'm a, a motivational speaker. I speak to companies. I speak to leaders. I also do um, uh, executive coaching and uh, peak performance coaching, just using my experience and what I had to go through to be able to, to help other people, um, you know, crush their limiting beliefs and reach for their extraordinary, really starting with um, a focus on their why, what their strengths are, because if you focus on your strengths, you won't waste your time trying to figure out other people's strengths, which may be your weaknesses and acknowledging those limiting beliefs and, 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 being deliberate at being extraordinary because that's exactly who you are. You are uniquely extraordinary. And more importantly, um, how to be resilient because curveballs are going to come, some that are expected, some that are not expected. You know, if I look at my Everest journey, it's visualizing that I'm on the mountain and I've summited, but also visualizing that something goes wrong. What will I do? And that helped me have a lot of uh, things uh, or ideas on what to do when this happens and that happens. And that's always important. Otherwise, if you only th think about success and not think about what if, uh, and, you know, having all those scenarios, when it happens, like COVID has happened, some people are going to give up because they didn't have a plan B, plan C, and anything else in their toolkit. I think that is important for me. And I'm passionate about that to be able to help other people achieve their summit. I, I, you can say that I, I'm really taking the shape and role, <laughs> yes. you know, at sea level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, I, I'm just listening to, what's one of the things that um, I'm sort of thinking about here as well is the fact that you've done what you've done. Yeah. Uh, I think enables you to become a better, better coach because you've, uh, mm -hmm. and, and a speaker because you've got, you know, stories where you've been through hardship and, and resilience and um and I, I can see some of those you know there's some stories in my life as well where i've done not climbed everest but i've done certain things that have pushed me to the limit but actually when you do yeah. that then i think there's a couple of things that happen, happen. firstly you, you've got ex, you've got experience and wisdom which gives you credibility but also yeah. i i kind of wonder whether 
sometimes some of those things you've got to do, like picking up the phone to people and making things happen, they seem they seem easier because uh, when you've been unconscious on Everest, uh, there's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's uh, you, you know, you, you know, it's not like being unconscious on Everest, is it? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Uh, you know, will that core kill you? No, if Everest uh, left you alive, so anything is, is possible. It's actually interesting, um, you know, Chris, when I got to the top, I, I, I think I mentioned to you that I, I thought about my mother talking about the sky's the limit. But what is dangerous about the feeling that you come down with is realizing that, you know, you almost think anything is, is, is possible. I remember a friend of mine pulling out of a 56-kilometer race two months before. And I was like, oh, give me that. I'll go run. I hadn't even trained. So it can be dangerous because now you just think you're invisible. <laughs> <laughs> but also you can walk six kilometers of miles, can't you? It, yeah. <laughs> you <get> <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, look, we've, we've just got, I've got, got to ask you now, have you got a final message you want to leave us with? Because I've only got a, a minute before I need to wrap up. I think it's, it's live a life of service. Remember, you are extraordinary and nobody ever finishes a race but when they stop and they give up. Keep stepping, even if it's a small step. When you're on Everest, sometimes you do 10 steps and then at some point, just one step is success as long as it's towards your summit, whatever that is for you. Fantastic. And, uh, and also, I guess in that is realize that you learn from failure and get back up and do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Sorry, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you today. I've really, really enjoyed it. I'm going to go into the weekend feeling inspired and uh, I hope uh, people do as well. If you've got any questions or comments, uh, you can um, get in touch with uh, Sarah. It's, it's Ray. Kumalo, uh, S-A-R-A-Y-K-H-U-M-A-L-O.com. If you want to get in touch with Sarah, get, get in touch with me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I'd love to hear your, your, your questions, comments, ideas about potential uh, new guests and shows, you know, and, and maybe, you know, ideas and thoughts about how this show has impacted you and the work that you're doing. Um, so yeah, please do keep in touch. And uh, once again, a huge thank you to Sarah. On next week's show, we have Tony Morris. We're going to talk, he's a, a, an incredible sales um, expert. He's going to talk about selling when there's no one to sell to, when there's, there's no, um, nobody who seems to be buying at any point in time is going to help us through some of that, um, that thinking uh, to enable us to be effective in that area. So uh, yeah, a huge thank you to Sarah and a huge thank you to Cathy O'Dowd for this wonderful introduction and this great conversation today. Um, everybody take care have a great week and go and be extraordinary thank you thank you chris we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.